Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, However you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, folks, folks, one week, seven days, seven more days, one more week, folks, before the start of the NFL regular season, what we have all been desperately waiting for. You know, preseason's good in the moment, but, you know, nobody looks forward to preseason games, and then when they're over, they're, we're all, thank goodness, they're over, because not to disrespect the kind of non-guaranteed starters in this league, but y'all are kind of not very good. I don't want to call y'all y'all all trash. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson made the most out of it, so we can you know give pre- uh, credit to that Patriots running back that really exploded onto the scene. But you know, around ninety eight percent of everybody else playing in preseason is a little trash, and it's not the best product. It's unfortunate. So. Now that preseason is over, we got to get into the full swing of the NFL season, and that tips off next Thursday, Cowboys Bucks. Oh my goodness, going to be absolutely great. We get to see Dak back in action, Tom Brady and the Bucks, Super Bowl defending champions back in action. How can Dak Prescott uh, lead this offense? Can he throw for 6,000 yards again? How can Dan Quinn scheme up a way to stop the ultimate offense that is Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin? Um, Cameron Brait, Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette. I mean, folks, the list goes on and on and on and on. And we're expecting Dan Quinn to stop that? Ah, he could try. <laughs> we got one more Hard Knocks episode before Thursday where maybe, maybe we can buy into this um, Dallas Cowboys team overall come Thursday so we can bet on them, depending what the spread is. But uh, the Cowboys still have some work to do in that department to sell us defensively. So we're, we are one week removed from the, or one week until uh, the NFL start of the NFL regular season. So we've got to kind of finish up these narratives. I do want to try and finish up these narratives today, uh, reviewing those. So for the next six days leading up till next Thursday, we can start counting win totals and what we are expecting from most of the teams. We've done a couple of teams in our NFL team refreshers. We're just going to kind of bypass some of those segments, just kind of focusing on the, the schedules coming up and better. Uh, on the win totals that we think could be some good value. So let's see if we can get the training camp narratives all done today. Hopefully we can go through these stories quickly, but you never know here, folks. We like to get our time and take our time and get our full understanding. We like to talk through things, so we bring up multiple things. So sometimes the stories go late, but Let's see what happens today, folks, shall we? So let's just jump right into it with the stories of the day. And Aaron Rodgers is back, folks. He's back again with another post to social media. So here we go. Aaron Rodgers tweets. No, Instagram's out. This photo of Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur kind of being buddy-buddy. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is hanging off of Matt LaFleur, the head coach. And then the caption is, they said we wouldn't get along. Crying face emoji. Crying face emoji. La- uh, heart. So, yeah, they said we wouldn't get along because you were not getting along with anybody in this organization so that's why they were saying it is because your actions determined what people were saying um but you know 
It does seem like, you know, Matt LaFleur really caters this offense to Aaron Rodgers. It was just, you know, that one dreadful mistake that set the world on fire by settling for a field goal in the NFC Championship game instead of getting giving Aaron Rodgers one more opportunity because that's what Aaron Rodgers always needs, one more opportunity. I can get it done next time, next time, next time. And, you know, when he doesn't get that next time, he's got a little bit of a scapegoat that he can use be like, well, it was the, you know, it was that coach the decision not to play me. You know what I mean? So, uh, we, you know, Aaron Rodgers this offseason has kind of been voicing his opinions and kind of concerns and disappointments with this overall franchise. And so far, it's been working. It seems like this organization is listening to him a little bit more. Um, the organization still wants Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, this uh, Green Bay situation is exactly like what's going on in tennis, uh, in, um, not Tennessee, uh, Houston with Deshaun Watson. It's like, these are great quarterbacks. These are top-tier quarterbacks in this league right now. And Aaron Rodgers is potentially greatest of all time. And Deshaun Watson, if, you know, he's not going to play the season, so it's definitely going to take a knock on his overall resume. But if Deshaun Watson only misses this one season and continues to play at the level that he is currently playing, I mean, we can make this man a definite future Hall of Famer and potentially put him in, like, the top 10 and maybe, arguably, uh, potentially top 5 if he keeps uh, getting better. And greatest of all time. I think we could potentially be talking about Deshaun Watson in top five of greatest of all time if he continues to be better because he's so gushed and great right now. So, you know, the, these two situations are the same. I mean, there's delicate situations between both quarterbacks. You know, one has sexual assault, you know, allegations against him and doesn't want to be here. Aaron Rodgers just doesn't want to be here. His record's clean for now. We don't know what he does. Um, everyone's got their dark side and Aaron Rodgers hasn't come out yet. So we'll see if that ever comes out. But, um, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers just trying to kind of, you know, mend this relationship. And, you know, it's kind of been good, been going good overall. The organization is kind of being a little bit more open, saying he has a little bit more say. Aaron Rodgers is being a little bit more open and vocal about, you know, his concerns. Because you do have to kind of speak up, you know. Aaron Rodgers deserves a seat at the table with this Packers team. And if they're not giving him a seat, that's different than Aaron Rodgers just not, like, voicing for a seat at the table, and then the organization not giving him a seat at the table because he's not asking for a seat at the table. But now Aaron Rodgers, nothing left to lose, back against the wall. He can say whatever he wants, and it seems like, you know, now it's finally all mending together. So Aaron Rodgers tweets out uh, this picture with Matt LaFleur, all buddy, all buddy, buddy. And once again, you know, hey, we're all wrong. We're all the clowns. Y'all thought, you know, me and Matt LaFleur wouldn't get along? Psh, look at us. We, we've got a picture together. You're, you're telling us you're, you're telling me that these two aren't best friends look at this picture come on so you know Aaron Rodgers always kind of looking at an angle to win on and it's the same right here um, and then just a time I don't think I finished up my thought on that Deshaun Watson thing but uh, you know these teams are not going to let go of these great quarterbacks anytime soon or for cheap or on a discount or anything like that. The Packers are like, no, Aaron Rodgers is staying here. Yeah, okay, you know, he's making it a little bit difficult. Let's just get him here. He's still under contract, but it's this year and next year. Hopefully we can change his mind. He's not going anywhere right now. Same thing with Deshaun Watson. Hey, we know what we have here, and yeah, the optics on Deshaun Watson are just not the greatest at the current moment, but we're not going to, you know, ship him away for nothing. This man's fantastic. If you're not giving me three first round draft picks don't even call because we're not taking it we are not going to sell this man for free he is 25 he is young as heck he still has like five years left on this deal and we're not going to let him go for free which is understandable because these quarterbacks Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson are both great 
All right, what else do we get here? So we get Aaron Rodgers tweeting out the photo, but then we get the Packers general manager, Brian. I have it up, folks. I swear. I, I prepare for this name every single time, and I always blank. Guttekins, Guttekins, Brian Guttekins, there it is. Packers GM Brian Guttekins has had conversations with Aaron Rodgers, and so far they have all been excellent. So once again, just the communication between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers front office seems to be very, very good. Nobody's kind of, you know, taking stabs at the other side in the national media, anything like that, any quotes, any just kind of tweets or nothing like that, which is always great. So maybe Aaron Rodgers is finally, you know, becoming a little bit more comfortable here in Green Bay or it's just Green Bay giving in to all the demands of Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers like we kind of you know have been saying he kind of has this team held hostage if they say one bad thing one bad thing about Aaron Rodgers or one decision that he doesn't really like he could just be like all right well I'm out I'm gonna use this clause in my contract that I can leave next season so I'm out so there it is kind of still tiptoeing on eggshells around Aaron Rodgers and I think Aaron Rodgers knows that you know why he tweets out this photo why you know he goes out in the media and says the things that he does I think it's because Aaron Rodgers knows that this organization is backed into a corner and he can do whatever he wants because that threat of leaving he saw what the threat of leaving did this offseason hey we'll, we'll okay we'll rene renegotiate the contract okay you're good now okay Whew. Now Aaron Rodgers could be like, well, I think I am maybe potentially leaving again and then getting everything he wants again. So we don't know what Aaron Rodgers' end game is, his angle is. If we just kind of go with Aaron Rodgers' history of his personality and everything we know about him, I think this kind of picture is like, hey, you know, I got this team kind of wrapped under my finger a little bit. I can do whatever I want. He's all buddy-buddy with uh, Matt LaFleur. You know, I, I think, you know, I, I don't think this is like anything out of the ordinary here of a picture, but I'm wondering if Aaron Rodgers was ever this close with Matt LaFleur the last couple of seasons, or if he truly knows, hey, I got this man under my thumb, under my thumb, I can do whatever I want because they are here to please me, and if they, and I, they know if they don't please me, I'm out of here next year, so... We still don't know what kind of Aaron Rodgers angle is, if he even has one. We do assume he does have one just because of his personality and his big brain wants to be smarter than everybody in the room. That's what we just kind of infer from that. But let's go into this article quickly and see how the relationship between the Packers general manager and Aaron Rodgers is because the general manager says they have been having conversations with Aaron Rodgers that have been excellent. So um, now that Aaron Rodgers is out of his shell, Turtle Rodgers... We love it. We get, you know, we get to hear from Aaron Rodgers, which is always great. I mean, we want to hear the player side. I mean, we don't knock players for no reason. We want to hear your side. We want to hear the other side. And we want to kind of figure out what is truly going on here. So it's great. I'm not knocking Aaron Rodgers for finally kind of speaking up and posting on Instagram and Twitter and all that. That's what we want here. But let's go into this article and see if we get anything good on the relationship here. If it's real or is it fake? Because that's kind of the narrative we have to start going with. Is all of this just fluff and for media so everyone's off the team's back? Or is this true a nice mended relationship? And we'll only kind of know for certain when it, it comes time for Aaron Rodgers to decide, hey, I'm going to sign another big deal or, hey, I'm out of here. And that's when we'll truly know if this whole thing, this whole relationship is real or just kind of Aaron Aaron Rodgers um, holding this team hostage. So here we go. Let's see what we get. All right. Talking the day after the NFL's cut to 53-man rosters, Gutekinst spoke of better communication between he, 
Packers head coach Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. So all three meshing together. Love to hear it. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, his beef was never really with Matt LaFleur. It was more towards the front office. Uh, you know, at least that's what he said, has been saying in his kind of, you know, press conferences. So here we go. Uh, quote here by general manager Brian Gudikins. Quote, I've had really good conversations throughout camp with Aaron and Matt, and I think the communication has been really, really good. As we went into this kind of decision-making period, I think everybody, all the people that are kind of involved in that, were very aware of what was going on and why we were doing what we were doing. So I feel really good about that, and the conversations that I've had with Aaron have been excellent. So kind of seems like Aaron Rodgers may have had a little bit of a say in personnel decisions with the final cuts of the 53-man roster, which, you know, Aaron Rodgers definitely should have a say, have an opinion, voice his opinion, because overall, overall, it is kind of Aaron Rodgers' team. I mean, we know he's the best player on this team, hands down. He's been here longer than, I believe, the general manager and the head coach. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers is an OG here. He's a great talent. He can single-handedly lead you to a Super Bowl, no problem. So, yeah, he should be like, all right, you know, when I'm looking at the receivers and tight ends, who should, you know, we keep? Yeah, I think we should keep this guy and this guy for these reasons. And, you know, if they line up with the values of what the team is going with and all that, then yeah, they should kind of oblige and, you know, go with Aaron Rodgers' decision if it makes overall sense. Aaron Rodgers should still not have the final say. I'm not saying really any player should be having the final say, but I definitely think getting the input from these great quarterbacks is a huge benefit to the team overall because you're making the quarterback happy the quarterback is using the weapons that he knows that are great caliber players that will go and catch the balls that the quarterback is throwing so you definitely want the overall weapons to be comfortable with the quarterback and the quarterback you know vice versa comfortable with the weapons as well and you know I bring it up again Tom Brady getting it or giving input to Bruce Arians and once again Bruce Arians not taking everything Tom Brady says as the gospel but still valuing his input and what did the you know Bucks do last season? They won the ring year one with Tom Brady. So glad that that is finally happening here or seems to be happening here with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. All right, we get one more quote here, and it's going to be by Aaron Rodgers. So let's read the lead up here. Rodgers made his return to the Packers facility on July 28th and unloaded a great many issues he's had with the Packers brass amid one of the more memorable news conferences in NFL Chronicle. Truly that. And that's what we love. Aaron Rodgers coming out of his shell. Gotta love it. During the presser, he tabbed his relationship with against as professional at this point. Once again, you know, you do kind of, you know, all relationships should be professional, but, you know, if you truly are, you know, uh, you know, comfortable around each other, it definitely makes it a lot easier if you do can, you can kind of do a little bit of a friendly kind of relationship as well not all professional it needs to be kind of like 75 maybe 80 maybe that might be a little bit too low but maybe like 80 percent professional 20 percent friendly something like that um you know i i think that would kind of work all right, uh, but let's keep going here. In, uh, in early August, Rodgers offered a report of advancement between the two saying, quote, I think it's a work in progress. I think relationships aren't formed in a matter of a couple days, and we have read this one before, but let's keep going. There's time where the respect grows and the communication follows. I think the greatest relationships that you can have with your friends and loved ones involve conversations and flow. You cannot talk to a close friend for a few months and pick up right where you left off. So once again, I mean, this is his previous quote from early August and it's kind of 
coming, it's kind of sounding real good because Aaron Rodgers says right here, you know, there's time where the respect grows and the communication follows. So now we know there's great communication. So was there originally good respect that they were able to mend and now we're getting great conversations? So once again, this kind of seems like it's mending together pretty solidly here for Aaron Rodgers when we really thought it was kind of uh, kind of a done deal that he was gone at the, the soonest moment that he could get out of here. But it's seeming to be like Aaron Rodgers in this front office have really just kind of mended everything and are moving forward. He's getting more say there's more communication and there had to be more respect before there was communication according to the Aaron Rodgers quote and then the other thing why I can't just all be professional at this point I mean look at this quote but here by Aaron Rodgers I think the greatest relationships that you have with your friends and loved ones involved conversations and flow I mean if it's all if it's all if, if, if it's a hundred percent professional relationship you're really not going to have that flow you may have you know um Involve conversations, but not flow because you can't, you're a little uptight. You can't kind of be buddy buddy with them because it is a professional relationship. So the fact that Aaron Rodgers is being all buddy buddy with these people, the head coach, the general manager, the fact that they're communicating, the fact that respect grows and the communication follow you, follows that kind of quote there by Aaron Rodgers, it truly is seeming like Aaron Rodgers in this franchise is taking steps to remand and bridge. The gap here that was the big old canyon of a gap between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers way early in this offseason. So everything's seeming to be good here, folks. This is kind of interesting. I I'm glad it turned around. I, I mean, I would like to see Aaron Rodgers win more rings. I mean, Aaron Rodgers win more rings so we can actually have a debate at greatest of all time because right now there's no debate. It's Tom Brady. So I want to see Aaron Rodgers have success here, win another ring. He's... You I mean, folks, he's, when you watch this man throw the football, it is absolutely pure perfection. We know if we're just going based on pure athletic talent of football, I would probably say that Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback in all time in that one regard, pure passing ability. But when we talk about greatest of all time, we really have to factor in everything. And so far, I mean, I can't ignore seven championships, folks. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. Ten overall getting to participating in with Aaron Rodgers, one win and one participation. So just overall, I can't give the greatest of all time to Aaron Rodgers, but if he starts winning more rings, yeah, we can have a debate. We can have a conversation about it. So glad that Aaron Rodgers is feeling a little bit more comfortable here in Green Bay. Glad that these relationships between the head coach, general manager, and quarterback that really do need to be solid are starting to become a little bit something that resembles something solid. So that's great to hear. So, so far, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers seem to be getting along decently. Not great. Like Aaron Rodgers said, it's going to take a little bit of time. But so far, these last two months, seems to be treating both parties well. So, got to love it. All righty. Here we go. And what the hell? It's not looking good here, folks. I don't want to resign on... When do I have to do, resign, potentially? Um, on September 13th, Monday, September 13th, I would not like to resign. But if this happens, I may have to resign. And it's going to crush me, but... I, I, I speak for the pe I speak for the people out there and I may have led the people astray. I don't think so deep down, but these Bears people folks, they are not budging so far. We still have a week and a half. Still have a couple of days. Truly hoping something changes. But the Bears general manager Ryan Pace says there's no need for us to rush Justin Fields. 
Of course there's a need to rush for Justin Fields because he's better than Andy Dalton. Because Andy Dalton is not going to win you meaningful games. It's unfortunate, but we know that's going to be the case. So... We told y'all this was a huge bet that we really were kind of staking our entire reputation on. We have been hammering this bet. We have been speaking about this bet this entire offseason. We have not spoke about a bet the way that we have spoken about this Justin Fields being the week one starter bet. And so far, he's not the week one starter yet, and we're running out of time. So... If he's not the week one starter, I will have to resign, folks. That's my duty here. <laughs> I've let y'all down. I will have to resign. I will, and I will go into um, debt that will cripple me for the rest of my life, and it will not be good, folks. So let's go into this article and see the reasons why. I need specific reasons. You can't just say there's no need for us to rush to Justin Fields. I need some reasons. I need to know because I'm not seeing any reasons. Andy Dalton's not good. He's not really a great winner. He's an average-ish winner. Um, nothing great. Never won a playoff game. I mean, folks, he had it with the Bengals. He had his entire career with the Bengals and made nothing of it. Made nothing of it. They were the laughing stock because we laughing stock because we all knew they would have a decent year record-wise. But once they got to the playoffs, they were instant losers. We knew that was going to happen every single season, and what happened every single season? Exactly just that. So Ryan Pace, you better come up with some airtight reasons why you are not starting Justin Fields right now because I cannot even think, I can't even begin to imagine a thinking of one. So let's see what he says, and if we agree, which we will not, but let's see if he can sell us. Let's see. Let's read this article. Here we go. Despite all the hope and optimism that came with the Chicago Bears selection of quarterback Justin Fields head coach, Matt Nagy has remained steadfast that the team is going into the 2021 season with veteran Andy Dalton as the starting quarterback. It's a situation supported by Bears general manager Ryan Pace, who on Wednesday offered his encouragement for Dalton leading the way and underlined the belief in developing Fields, saying, quote, I just feel like we're in a good position with Andy. It starts with how we feel about Andy, and we're very confident in him and where he's at, so there's no need to rush Justin. Okay, they feel confident with Andy Dalton. What has Andy Dalton shown, y'all, that's so confident? Let's go to his preseason games here. Uh, he played in the first two, didn't play in the last one. Andy Dalton, preseason game number one, two of four for 18 yards. Okay, do you go three and out? He pick up a first down, passing complete on third and four, not picking up a first down, have to go three and out. And then his next drive, we get, what do we get? We get third and two, passing complete. So you're telling me that you're confident in Andy Dalton who went three and out his first two drives, preseason game number one, while having an incomplete pass on third and four and an incomplete pass on third and two. You feel confident in that? That's the bar? That's your confidence bar? To have passing completes on third and short and not pick up the first down and have to punt the ball away? Shit, sign me up. I can be quarterback if you're not expecting first downs. Yeah, I can go three and out every 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 single drive. How hard is that? That's literally the bare minimum. So that's what Ryan Pace is confident in? Oh, okay, okay, you be confident in that. Losing games while you're on the hot seat. Okay, that sounds real smart. Did he play after this turnover? No, he didn't. Unfortunate. But um, what do we get in preseason game number two here? 
Andy Dalton played a little bit more here. 11 of 17 for 146 yards, one touchdown, one interception. So, once again, one touchdown, one pick. This It cancels each other out, folks. Let's see some of these drives here, Andy Dalton, because they, they got blown out by the Bills, 41 to 15. Chicago put up six points in the first half. That's pretty much all Andy Dalton. Six points? That was the problem with Nick Foles last season, not putting up the points. Let me bring up the fair schedule right here because this is going to be an interesting point. Let's look at Nick Foles' performances in those losses because I think they were good performances stats-wise, stats but they didn't result in any points and they didn't result in any wins. That's why they had to go back to Mitch Trubisky. So let's bring up uh, this Bears schedule and see when Nick Foles was playing and what his production was like playing because, like we said, Andy Dalton has good stats. When you look at Andy Dalton's stats on paper, they are good. You would be like, oh, this is a serviceable starting quarterback in this league. But then you look at his record and never winning a playoff game and never making that deep playoff run or beating kind of the elite teams over and over and over again. I mean, that's not what Andy Dalton does. And we're, well, we're going to talk about that in a second. I'm getting, I've got a lot of things here. i got a lot of things. Uh, but... When we look at what he did with the Cowboys last season, once again, his stats were good, but they didn't result in the wins. That's a little bit more on the defense, but just look at what that Cowboys offense was. That was the best offense Andy Dalton has been around, folks. CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. I mean, and then we got Gallup. I mean, folks, I mean, he has never had that many great weapons on a team at all, and this Bears weapons are severely lacking. They are not even close to what the Cowboys did last season on their team offensively, folks. This Bears team, I don't don't want to knock it as much because I have big respect for Allen Robinson. That is the clear-cut best weapon on that team, but everything else is real, real, real mediocre, and Andy Dalton does not have the ability to lift up mediocre talent. He doesn't. Uh, so let's go to Nick Foles' career games from last season because I want to say they're pretty good, kind of like what Andy Dalton's stats are. So let's see what his game logs were like in 2020. He played a couple of games, started how many games in a row? We had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games he started, and he went two and five in that period from week four to week 10. So let's read his stats, and they may sound good, but they didn't result in any points and didn't result in any wins. So here we go. Game one, he threw 61% for 249 yards, one touchdown, one interception. That was Andy Dalton's last preseason game, one touchdown, one interception, but they only put up 11 points. Exactly what Andy Dalton did here in this game, only put up six points and got absolutely blown out 41 to 15. Game number two for Nick Foles. Now they won it by only one point. Very close game. 71% completion percentage. That's fantastic. 243 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Once again, defense kind of carrying a little bit. Andy, uh, Nick Foles goes one for one. That's kind of what Andy Dalton does. Game number three, they win. And this was a solid win here. And a uh, seven-point win. But 7-point win on 58% completion percentage for 198 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And they win the game because of the defense. Now they lose the, the, they lose the next four games here. 70% completion percentage, 261 yards, no touchdown, two interceptions. Once again, everything's good besides those interceptions, and they lose the game but only put up 10 points. Next game, he goes 68% completion percentage. 272 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. That was a good game, but they only put up 23 points. They lose by three. 
69% completion percentage, 335 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and they still lose 17 to 24. That's a great stat line, folks. 69%, 335 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and you can still only put up 17 points? Where are those yards coming from? If you're putting up 335 yards, I mean, that should be sustainable offense the entire game, leading to way more than 17 points. And then the last game. 57% completion percentage, 106 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. Real bad stat line right there, and they end up losing 13 to 19. So it's just like, yes, on paper the stats can be good, but they don't result into what needs to be resulted into win games, which is points and moving the ball, sustaining drives, long drives, taking the time off the clock. Nick Foles didn't do it. That's why he lost, and they had to go back to Mitch Trubisky. And Andy Dalton is the same exact way, folks. Let's look up some of these drives here because he had 140. 46 yards on 11 completions. That's more than 10 yards of completion, which is something that we do value. Um, so let's see what these drives were looking like because they only still put up six points. So Andy Dalton, first drive, three and out. Oh, another pass incomplete on third and five. Has he completed any first down so far? Next drive. Oh, Andy Dalton out there. Here we go. Third and nine. Eight-yard pass, a yard short. Womp, womp. You have to punt. And now you're down 14-0. 13-0 could be because the Bills missed the extra point. But you're down 13-0. That's what Andy Dalton does. That's what Andy Dalton does. That's what Andy Dalton does, folks. He does not get good out of the gate. You get down big, and then you're free to play loose for a little bit because, you know, there's a 14-point advantage. You can let it loose. And it even got worse here. They fumble here. Who fumbled this? Who fumbled the ball? We got um, the, the, the running back fumbled the ball, unfortunate. And then the Bills go down, but it's still a three and out on the fumble. Um, they fumble, and then Bills go down and make it 21-0. Now let's see what Andy Dalton does on after giving the ball away offensively. Down 21-0. You've got to step up and put some points out on the board. And what does he do? Goes three and out, two-yard pass on third and 17, two-yard pass on third and 17, that's what you want? Oh my goodness, and then they get down 28 nothing. and then Andy Dalton has a one big play hitter go for 73 yards. That's not impressive, you're already down 28 nothing. not able to pick up a first down. So that's what you have confidence in in Andy Dalton? Oh, Ryan Pace. No, no, no. How can you have confidence in this? I don't get it. Uh, what else does he say? Is it only just confidence? Let's go to this next quote right here. Let's read the lead up. Here we go. On the heels of back-to-back 8-8 eight and eight campaigns, many believe Nagy and Pace need to be in a rush to produce winning seasons. We have been a champion of that narrative 100%. Um, so once again, these, these guys are just going to go down with the ship. They don't want to... Uh, they're, they're going based on their confidence. Well, we have seen what your confidence has gotten you the last couple of seasons. 8-8 eight and eight and on the hot seat. So maybe go against what your confidence says to do because you're wrong. Your natural instincts are just wrong. As we see, oh my gosh, on the heels of back-to-back 8-8 eight eight campaigns, many believe Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace need to be in a rush to produce winning seasons to ensure they'll be back for the 2022 season. By then, it's altogether likely Dalton, who signed a one-year deal pack with Chicago, could be on to his fourth team in, fourth, in four seasons, and Fields will have taken the reins without question. So... 
you know Andy Dalton's not the future, so why are you delaying the future? It makes no sense, folks. It makes no sense to delay the future any longer. We know you're on the hot seat and you're trying to do everything right, but you're kind of been doing everything wrong. So why do we think you're going to get it right now when your back's against the wall? Quote here by Ryan Pace. Playing quarterback in the NFL, there's so much that goes into that and so much different than you'd even see in the preseason. The weekly preparation, seeing NFL defenses in the regular season and all those all those things. I just think the more time he has to learn that and observe that, the better off for him. So why not do that with Justin Fields? If it's so, if the game of quarterback is so hard, why are you delaying Justin Fields' progress by one year? I don't even think Jalen Hurts is going to be good, that good this season because he started so late last season. He didn't have that early experience under his belt. Tua had that experience under his belt. Joe Burrow has that experience under his belt. Justin Herbert has that experience under his belt. And we're expecting big things from really all those quarterbacks this season. Maybe not so much Joe Burrow because he is coming out of the injury. But, I mean, there's no reason to play Andy Dalton to start the season, swap out to Justin Fields, and not have him have, and just take away all that that practice from him all those reps all that experience experience and reps folks that's what you have to do to learn and get better and advance your career in the NFL and if you're backing up because the team is afraid to start you because they're afraid of you know injuring you or traumatizing you or ruining your development I think you're ruining his development either way not playing him all right we get any more quotes here who's who's saying this one right here Miss Ryan Pace still seems to be Ryan Pace. So let's read this lead up. For now, though, Dalton, a three-time Pro Bowler with the Bengals, three-time. Ooh, big deal. Uh, no, no playoff wins. Do I even care at that point? Uh, will be the man for the Bears season opener against the LA Rams, while Fields will continue to impress with all his many attributes and give Bears fans the promise of tomorrow, while the Red Rifle leads the charge for today. Jeez, yeah, promise tomorrow. No, tomorrow never comes. So yeah, I, I'll take I'll take it today. One in the hand is worth two in the bush. Give me the bush. Give me the bush. Or give me the hand. I'm sorry. <laughs> give me the hand of the bush. I'll take all three. All right. Here we go. Quote here by Ryan Pace. Quote, we're confident in Andy. Yeah, we've heard. You don't have to keep saying that because that's the only thing you can't say about Andy Dalton. He can't even say Andy Dalton is as good. He's just saying, yeah, we have confidence. We we're confident in Andy. Jeez. All right. We're confident in Andy. There's a lot of things with Andy. His experience. He's won a lot of games in the league. Yeah, regular season games. If you're hyped about regular season games, okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, regular season wins are good. They result into playoff appearances but there's no high pressure wins by Andy Dalton this is a high pressure season for everybody on this Bears team Allen Robinson he wants a good quarterback Matt Nagy needs a good quarterback so he can win games so he's not on the hot seat anymore there's pressure you think Andy Dalton is going to rise above the pressure because he didn't rise above the above the pressure in the preseason hmm all right there's a lot of things with Andy, his experience. He's won a lot of games in this league, his decision-making, his intangibles. What intangibles does Andy Dalton have? I would like to see all those. His decision-making, his intangibles, his leadership. He may have some good leadership. I could maybe give him some points for that. Uh, there's so many veteran players that have come up to me and made comments about Andy Dalton and what he's doing in practices, in the locker room, in the huddle. All those little things that I think we're going to see pay off as we get into the season. You've heard people talk about Andy Dalton. I have not heard one chirp about Andy Dalton. We scour the internet every day for stories, folks, for what people are saying, players are saying, coaches are saying, personnel are saying. 
I have not ran into one positive Andy Dalton quote. Everything's been telling me good things about Justin Fields. I haven't heard anything good about Andy Dalton. So, somebody's lying. <laughs> somebody's lying here. Um, we got any more quotes? One more, two more quotes. Let's keep it up here. While Pace praises Dalton's veteran intangibles, he likewise praised Fields' similar intangibles while giving a nod to Fields' dynamic talents but stating they knew those were part of the package for the Ohio State product. Says, quote, We obviously knew about the arm talent, the athleticism, the work ethic, all those things, but when you get him out there in an NFL environment, he stays calm in the moment. His heart rate stays low. He processes fast. He goes through progressions. So what is wrong? What is wrong? He's there. He's good. He's slowing the game down. That's the biggest thing for rookies, slowing the game down, going through his progressions, and you're still not going with him. Why? Another quote here, last quote, quote, I think you feel like you see a lot of young quarterbacks who kind of stare down an intended target, but you see him working through his progressions, which I think is really good to see from a young quarterback, but you don't have confidence. So Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton is so much better than what Justin Fields is displaying right now as a rookie? I'm not buying it. I, I, folks, I, I can't buy it. He's not selling me at all. He says he has confidence in Andy Dalton. That's it. Nothing really specific. He has, he has good intangibles. So I, I just don't understand, folks. I just don't understand. And I don't want to, you know, retire from the show and resign. But they may make me. How I, I'm going to get resigned because the clowns at the Bears, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, aren't doing what the right thing is. How crazy. I'm going to have to suffer the consequences. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. So, that's where we're at with the Bears, and Andy Dalton is really, truly seeming like he's the starting quarterback for week one. Truly, truly unfortunate. We can't buy the Bears now. We can't buy the Bears now. Week one. We won't. We won't. We won't bet on them. We won't root for them. <laughs> we're rooting for their downfall because we want to see Justin Fields. It's unfortunate, but that's what Matt Nagy is forcing us to do. So, take it up with him. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable here. What's going on? Even Bill Belichick cut Cam Newton. Could you? <sighs> it makes no sense, folks. Every rookie quarterback is going to start besides Justin Fields. Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson. Not Trey Lance. So I guess not the only one. But Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Andy Dalton. So it's not the same situation. Let's move on. Now, now let's talk about Trey Lance now as we're talking about quarterbacks. Kyle Shanahan is cautious about Trey Lance's finger injury, saying, quote, we got to be smart about it. There's no rush to start Trey Lance. We know Jimmy Garoppolo is the week one starter here, even though Kyle Shanahan's not saying it. You know, everything that they have been saying is saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starting quarterback. Their press conferences, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo laughing and saying, yeah, I have a good idea who's going to be the starter. Um, Kyle, uh, Trey Lance just not looking quite there just quite yet to be the starter, but we do know it's going to be a little bit of a hybrid offense at the quarterback position. So Kyle Shanahan with this uh, finger injury of Trey Lance. We know it's going to be about a week he's going to be out, but don't expect them to kind of rush him throughout the last week since we got kind of a week and a half before the start of the season. Don't expect them to kind of rush him along next week to get him ready for week one because he's not going to be the starter. He gets in for a couple of plays, a couple of maybe not, not even a full drive, a couple of plays in some drives here. 
And that's all it's going to be. So Kyle Shanahan going to be smart about Trey Lance because there is no reason to rush him back. Not a big lingering injury that we are going to have to be really concerned with throughout the regular season. Uh, but they are still going to be smart and cautious because there's no reason to rush this man. If there's you know one rookie that you don't want to rush, it's Trey Lance. Everybody else is looking good. You can rush them. Uh, but you got something good here with Jimmy Garoppolo, so no need to rush that. Rush Justin Fields because Andy Dalton is not what Jimmy Garoppolo is. So, Kyle Shanahan being cautious with Trey Lance, it's smart, it's smart. And uh, they think he will be ready for week one, which is good. But, you know, once again, they're not intending him to play the entire game. If he gets in for a couple of snaps, makes some good plays down in the red zone, uses his athleticism and dual threat ability, gets some good plays, and it advances the overall offense, and it's one, it's, it's you have to prepare for it. You're going to have to prepare for the dual threat ability of Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo's good pocket passing awareness and ability. So... We liked what we saw from the 49ers offense in, pre in the last preseason game because of the kind of hybrid offense that they were running. It got it done. They scored two touchdowns on the two drives that they did it with. So pretty solid there. Kyle Shanahan going to try and revolutionize the quarterback position, it seems like. So we'll see how it works out for him because the normal quarterback, the normal quarterback uh, routine doesn't work out for him. Two Super Bowl losses. How unfortunate. All right, so we've been talking about kind of the Tua and potentially the Dolphins trading for Deshaun Watson, which we never really put any stake into, but Brian Flores made it kind of 100% clear yesterday that, hey, Tua's our guy. I don't know why y'all keep bringing it up or want me to kind of keep talking about it every single day, but Brian Flores is saying that Tua is the guy. And this is huge now, folks. This is why when there's no quarterback competition, you do not make it a quarterback competition. You tell, once you know who the starter is, you go out and tell that guy who the starter is. You tell them, hey, you are the starter. Because it, 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 it alleviates pressure. It makes them play looser. It makes them take total control of the team now that they know it is officially their team because now that Brian Flores has kind of officially cleared the air here that they're not getting Deshaun Watson that they are 100% rocking with Tua. Tua goes to the press conference yesterday and he talks and he's like yeah it was great to hear it I feel so great hearing it from them it gives me confidence because I hear I'm hearing it right from the source right from Brian Flores let me see um let me see what he actually says right here. It means a lot coming from the head coach. It's important that we have that kind of like relationship where they can kind of, you know, be 100% open and, you know, that active line of communication is open. So, I mean, this is why you have to name the starters. You know, this is why we don't like what kind of Urban Meyer did with the whole Trevor Lawrence thing, stringing it along. And, uh, you know, you have to just tell the person when it is. If it's not a true quarterback competition, if you don't think – if you know who the quarterback is going to be, just go out and tell them because it's going to make them play better and it's going to make them play free and it's going to make them feel wanted. Why do we say that Carson Wentz blew up last season? Because he wasn't wanted in that Eagles team. You know, they told him, you know, he was the guy, but all the actions went against him being the guy. And now he's not the guy anymore. So you can... Tell these guys who the quarterback is going to be. It's not going to ruin their progress, and it's not going to make them not work hard or just kind of be kind of um, 
uh, they, they won't be content with just kind of where they are. They will always strive to be better because they know it's all going to fall on them. They know it's single-handedly kind of their responsibility as the quarterback to have this offense looking and running right come week one. So, Tua... I mean, the relationship between Tua and Brian Flores has grown now that, you know, Brian Flores has truly cleared the air so Tua doesn't have to kind of go to the press conferences and get asked those questions. Hey, have you read the reports in the paper? What do you think? Brian Flores isn't denying it. Your head coach isn't denying it. Not really kind of fully, you know, saying that, yeah, you know, we are keeping everything internal and we're not going to talk about it, but that's not giving us 100% confident in faith in Tua. Now, Brian Flores going, giving 100% faith in Tua. That relationship is good. Tua was feeling wanted and welcomed and ready to rock and keep getting better. So there's no reason, there is no reason to have a fake quarterback competition. You're just ruining the relationship between you and the franchise guy that you call your franchise guy, but your actions, actions speak louder than words, folks. And if you're not doing the actions or the words, you got to kind of do both, uh, then uh you're going to get an unhappy quarterback room. So we'll see how the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, plays year one uh, since he kind of was on the opposite end of being on the right. He wasn't on the right end of how you're supposed to do it because of the fake quarterback battle. And we'll see how kind of, you know, Jameis Winston plays because that was an actual quarterback competition. And how Tua plays when there wasn't an open quarterback competition. But they just still make this man the starter um, and, you know, confirm it and all that. So... Uh, the end of the story, the moral of the story is that Tua is going to be great this season as well. So he's going to be great. We've got no problems with Tua. All righty. Let's uh, move on to the Texans because, you know, Deshaun Watson, it's seeming like he's not going to get traded before the start of the NFL season. Um, and uh, they are going to probably hold on to him because they are not going to let this man go for absolutely nothing. So we get some quotes here by general manager for the Texans, Nick Casero. He says they are taking it, quote, one day at a time with the Deshaun Watson situation. And that's kind of how you have to take it because, you know, at any point, you know, some legal trouble can pop up and then he's done and going to be shut down by Roger Goodell or just the justice system in general. So let's see what uh, the new information is because we've been seeing a lot of fake information on the Texans and who wants to trade and who's in, interested in trading and when were they interested just recently or two months ago. Like what was the case? It was two months ago rehashing old stories. Uh, but now that we're hearing words straight from the horse's mouth in Houston, let's see what we get. So here we go. The ongoing situation regarding Deshaun Watson has no end in sight, a reality the Texans acknowledged Wednesday. Houston general manager Nick Casero spoke on the matter when fielding his usual round of questions about Watson. Says, quote here, What I would say about that is really no different than what we talked about at the beginning of training camp. Each day we're going to make a decision that we feel is best. It's a one-step process. Deshaun's been here every day. He's been in training camp every day. He's been in the building. He's been in meetings. He's been around his teammates. And again, we're going to take it one day at a time. Once again, kind of the same logic that the Packers are going with. Let's just keep them in the building. Let's see if we can kind of fix everything. We're not going to trade them for cheap. We are going to get something good for this man. And if something does come, you know, the trade, somebody is going to give up three first-round draft picks and two second rounds, then we'll make the deal. But there is still a possibility that Deshaun Watson will want to stay here because we know Deshaun Watson is kind of requesting a trade out here. So get him in the building. And so far, Deshaun Watson has been in the building every single day. Let's keep going here with the quote. 
quote, I'm not going to get into any speculation about what has happened, what didn't happen. It's a waste of everybody's time, quite frankly. I think there's more important things to talk about. No, there's not. Uh, so we're going to take it one day at a time. We're going to do what we feel is best for our team and organization. And again, I would say there's no f finite answer. There's no definitive answer here at this point, And that's how we're going to handle it. So, taking it one day at a time with Deshaun Watson, they're not going to give him away for free. He is still in, the pra still in the building, still practicing, and whatever happens, whatever comes out, they're just... <coughs> they're just taking it one step at a time, taking it day by day, seeing what happens. Um, but he's not going to play for the Texans this season. Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starter. Deshaun Watson still wants to leave. They still want their value. Deshaun Watson doesn't want to go to jail. That's where we're at. So those reports about, you know, the Eagles and the Broncos and the Dolphins all being, you know, heavy suitors for Deshaun Watson, no field has gotten done or no no trade has gotten done. And uh, that would really just kind of the, the main reason of that has got to just be the, the allegations against them. That's really got to be the only thing keeping them because Deshaun Watson still doesn't want to be there. So. That is where we are at with Deshaun Watson. Taking it one day at a time. Um, Alrighty, we're... Mm, uh, I'm not going to talk about this. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the vaccine and COVID anymore. It's tiresome, and it's going to be the entire season. And it's, you know, people like it, people don't like it. That's where we're at with that. So uh, we could just, well, well, we'll just talk about what the article was about. Chris Ballard, the general manager for the Colts, says that there should be consequences against unvaccinated players. So that's what he says. Okay, let's move on. All right, here we go. Um, Zach Ertz here, because this was good information, because we talked about Zach Ertz and the Eagles yesterday when we were doing our training camp narratives. Once again, we do things for a reason, folks. Once again, stories, um, uh, narratives that were taking place early in the beginning, maybe got lost in the shuffle or no update until now. But now we know what's going on with Zach Ertz. Now, to recap what was going on with Zach Ertz and what our narrative was, was that Zach Ertz has kind of, you know, was kind of requesting a trade out of Philadelphia said he didn't really want to be there anymore, didn't really feel wanted anymore, and just wanted to be traded. And that was one of our narratives. Uh, you know, is Zach Ertz going to be on the final roster, final 53-man roster, or is he going to get traded? We knew he made the final 53-man roster yesterday, but now we finally get to hear from Zach Ertz himself, and this is great news if you're an Eagles fan because he's in here for the long haul. So here we go. Tight end Zach Ertz in his first public comments this season says, quote, this is a place I want to be. This is the place I want to retire. I'm moving on from everything that happened this offseason. There have been apologies. Um, also says that things have been mended with the team. So great there. Um, you know, kind of the same thing that's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Seems like everything has been mended. You know, when you're away from the team and you're throwing shots and, you know, there's not really shots coming from the ownership, but then, you know, everything's getting blown up in the media and you see what you've kind of caused and you see like how everyone's taking it and you're like, yeah, I didn't really mean it like that. I meant it just like this, but y'all ran with it and took it like that. You know, Aaron Rodgers did that this offseason and now that, you know, he's in the building, everybody's talking, everybody's communicating, everything is mended. 
Same thing with Zach Ertz. Now that he was in training camp, now that he was in the building, everything has been mended. There's been apologies. Everything has been mended. And now Zach Ertz is happy here in Philadelphia, and he's a great tight end. We want to see him succeed. We want Zach Ertz to be on this team for the development of Jalen Hurts because we believe in the man, and we obviously love and support tight end university. So, of course, we're loving Zach Ertz as the tight end here. So, Eagles have their tight end here. Zach Ertz, he's going to be here all season, and, uh, you know, he's not going to leave. He's going to retire here. Uh, that's what he says as of current. So, love that Zach Ertz is happy back here with this Eagles team, and now we have our answer. Does Zach Ertz get traded? No, he does not. All righty. Let's uh, keep going here. We got some good information here on T.Y. Hilton, who you know we are a little, little worried about because the neck injury, not the greatest injury to have. You can tweak it and be done. Bad. Uh, so, T.Y. Hilton, a little bit of a neck injury. He did have surgery. He will be moved to the injury reserved soon and will be, will be back, quote, sooner rather than later. And they're kind of estimating only being expecting to miss three weeks, which is real good because, you know, we were kind of thinking it could be kind of half the season. We were kind of thinking it could have potentially been season ending. And now we're kind of getting some good information after the surgery has happened. They're saying he's probably only going to miss three weeks. So this Colts team, if they can just kind of weather the first couple of weeks here, Carson Wentz coming back from the injury, looking good, but just getting everything right, not having kind of your number one, A1 tier one wide receiver on your roster for the first three weeks. If everybody can just be game managers for this Colts team and they can escape, you know, the first three games, maybe two and one, one and two, wouldn't be too bad. It wouldn't be great. Wouldn't be too bad. Uh, you know, if they can, you know, just don't, Go 0 and 3 because then you're putting pressure on T.Y. Hilton to you know maybe expedite his recovery a little bit. Maybe if he's even if he's not 100% ready to go by week four, whatever it is. Uh, so you know try to go two and one. Obviously three and 0 is the goal. One and two potentially. But if they can just all just take it slow, be game managers. Don't try to do anything too big right off the gate. Still kind of learn the rhythm and timing and getting everything acclimated here for the long haul of what is a true potential Super Bowl contention here for this. Colts team, they could potentially get away with uh, with missing T.Y. Hilton for the first couple of weeks. So, glad that it's not anything big. We're only kind of looking at three weeks for T.Y. Hilton. Real solid. Alrighty, once again, more not good Giants news out here. Jeez Louise, man, I'm ready to sell this Giants team 100%. I'm, I'm very close, folks. Jeez. Uh, the Giants are placing speedy wide receiver John Ross on IR with a hamstring injury. He's out for at least the first three games of the season. So, once again, we've been boasting and gushing about this Giants wide receiver room of just how deep it is and how great it is, how versatile with the speed and the length and the catchability and all that. But John Ross was kind of part of that and now he's injured so hopefully we get to see a little bit more Kadarius Tony out there that could be good and hopefully Daniel Jones can still make the most out of his four other great wide receivers that he has on this team so don't expect to see John Ross out here anytime soon he's on our IR and you have to miss at least the first you have to miss at least three games if you get placed on IR so that's where they're at with John Ross Alrighty, the NFL Network tweets out an interesting question, and we truly definitely say yes, but let's see what, what what's going on here. So here we go. They pose the question, is Kyle Pitts the next big thing? You better gosh darn believe it. So we know what this man does. He's a great tight end in this league. Big, tall, fast, 6'6", six, six, absolutely fantastic. We saw what he did in college, absolutely fantastic. We've seen what Darren Waller has been doing the last two seasons, 1,000 plus yards every single season, looking absolutely unstoppable, monstrous, all of that. And Kyle Pitts is 
very, very close to Darren Waller. I mean, basically the same build. But, but, but there's one thing that we didn't know about Kyle Pitts that we know now, and it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Longest wingspans ever recorded by a wide receiver or tight end in the last 20 years. It was DK Metcalf of recent at 6 feet 10 and 7, 8 inches. Wingspan. Catchability. Catch radius. Six feet, 10 inches. But Kyle Pitts is in the league now. And he's got the new record. Six feet, 11 and 3, 8 inches. Yes. 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 Look at that wingspan, folks. Look at that wingspan. Big catch radius. You can throw, you know, five feet high. You can throw it six feet to the left, six feet to the right. It doesn't matter. Kyle Pitts is going to go out there and get the ball. He will go out and get the ball. If you're in inaccurate, he's going to make you look good. Now, luckily for Kyle Pitts, Matt Ryan is pretty accurate, pretty accurate quarterback here, but he could be a little less accurate if he needs to be. So Kyle Pitts, folks, the longest wingspan ever recorded by a wide receiver in the t and or a tight end in the last 20 years. Absolutely fantastic athlete right here who we think is going to be absolutely fantastic so watch out for Kyle Pitts folks he's going to be catching everything if it looks inaccurate if it looks wide if it looks low if it looks high if it looks wide left wide left wide right whatever it is it's going to come down with the catch watch out for a hundred percent catch percentage year one by Kyle Pitts because of his wingspan folks Alrighty, quick story right here um Nickelodeon <laughs> They're bringing back uh, the MVP. <laughs> They're going to be doing another playoff game where they give away the MVP this season. So we'll see who the new Mitch Trubisky is. Hopefully the fans here, I, you know, granted they're Nickelodeon fans, so they're a little bit younger, but hopefully, geez, maybe they can know what NFL is, what football is, because they chose Mitch Trubisky to be the MVP, even though the Bears lost in that game to the Saints, usually give the awards to the winning team, guys. So maybe do your little, do a little homework in the regular season before the playoff comes so you know what to vote for. You vote for the players that are actually doing something good. <laughs> so hopefully they get the award figured out. Um, but it's back, so... Hopefully, y'all learn from your mistakes because I don't want to see another Mitch Trubisky-type player get an award, folks. What is that? You get an MVP? It's kind of insulting. <laughs> if I was Andy Dalton, I would have taken it as an insult. Um, and I think he kind of does a little bit, but what are you going to do? Not accept a trophy? Give me a trophy. I'll fucking display it. Um, all right. So, the uh, the, uh, the the Nickelodeon wildcard game is back. Watch out for the new MVP. Alrighty, uh, a couple more stories to go over quickly here. Ravens, not out to a really hot start real quick. Not the greatest. They placed rookie wide receiver Rashad Bateman and wide receiver Miles Boykin on IR, so they are out the first three weeks. Now, why it's not good for Rashad Bateman? Because, you know... We need to know what's going on with the wide receivers here. We know Marquise Brown is a little banged up. Rashad Bateman's going to be out for the first three weeks, and he's kind of their deep threat. Now they have to rely on Sammy Watkins. So if Lamar Jackson gets out to a slow start, which is definitely not going to be good because then it's all the media on him. Oh, he's a running back. He can't throw. If the deep ball's not there because Rod Rashad Bateman's not out there for the first three games, this could be real, real not great here for this Ravens team if they don't get out to a hot start. And not having kind of your rookie, dra rookie draft pick right here, that you truly believe in, that is supposed to elevate the deep ball game, that is supposed to have been been worked on this season between Lamar Jackson and the offensive coordinator, bringing in Sammy Watkins, all of that, then 
they're they're going to start maybe 0 and 3, 0 and 2 out of the gate, and the media is going to be all over them. And I don't know if they're going to be re- be able to recover uh, with all that pressure on them. So hopefully. Everything is just kind of game manager the first couple weeks. I mean, that's going to be something we're going to have to look out for, folks. There's some key players on some key teams offensively that, uh, you know, are huge outs. And these teams may have to take it real, real light and cautious and conservative heading into week one, which is really not where you want to be. So we'll see how the Ravens handle it. Rashad Bateman is on IR missing the first three weeks. Uh, we get Nikhil Harry. Jeez, what a roller coaster offseason has it been for Nikhil Harry, wide receiver for the Patriots. His agent requested a trade. He didn't get traded. He's been putting in work here in preseason, in the offseason, in training camp, and it's been looking good. Everybody's ranting and raving about Nikhil Harry. Big, big, uh, big Bill Belichick has been having big things said about Nikhil Harry as well. And now Nikhil Harry is on IR. So great, geez. As soon as we were going to get, you know, Nikhil Harry's next step in the league, he's out for the first three weeks. So this Patriots, no Mac Jones. You're not going to have Nikhil Harry. Hopefully he can still get it done. Um, oh my God. Did y'all see this? <laughs> Did y'all just see this? Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, his new mansion that he's building in Las Vegas, $14 million. This looks, I mean, uh, this looks stunning. I mean, this is an architectural marvel right here, folks. Um, all black and silver. I mean, real open concept. Fantastic. A huge pool out in the front. I mean, this looks something out of like Scarface, folks, like a mob boss lives here. Here. A Coke runner lives here because they've got so much money. Elegant as heck. And Mark Davis, I mean, if you got an extra room, you've got a studio in there. I'm down to do takes by fans. I'll be uh, sponsored by the Raiders. I'd have no problem with that. But, uh, geez, $14 million? Folks, the Patreon needs to accumulate $14 million so we could be broadcasting from here. Absolutely fantastic. So, Mark Davis, he doesn't have the best taste in haircuts, but he's got, the be- he's got a good taste in housing, folks, in architecture. Geez, so we'll give him that. So, geez, Louise, that's going to be, oh, man. I can't wait to see what this looks like live. This is just kind of the, the, the photo, the concept. Uh, but it's looking absolutely fantastic out here, folks. Mark Davis is living in luxury, living in style. Jeez, who would have thought? All right, and then the last thing to talk about here quickly, Ben DiNucci, he's back. Ugh, he's looking awful, folks. Every time we watched him in preseason, he's absolutely trash. In uh, hard knocks, he's absolutely trash. Uh, throwing so many interceptions, everybody getting behind him, and then he goes out there and throws another interception. So he's not learning. He's not getting better. He's not doing anything. Uh, he ended up getting cut. We talked about that yesterday. But they re-signed him to the practice squad. Mm, woo. <laughs> woo. Yeah, great. So that's where Ben DiNucci is, if anybody's wondering. Alrighty, those were all the stories that we needed to talk about for today, so let's head over to our NFL training camp narratives to watch for now that preseason has kind of wrapped up, now that training camp is basically over, we're a week removed from the start of the NFL season for Thursday Night Football come next week, so let's see, did these teams kind of accomplish or achieve things, goals, narratives that we kind of set for them, can we feel a little bit better about these teams that did hit their goals and narratives, and should we be kind of falling off the teams that we still don't really know, they didn't really answer the questions that we had on them so we've been kind of going through division by division and we're trying to finish these up quickly here so let's continue rolling with the a or nfc south here with the packers bears vikings and lions um nfc north excuse me 
So here we go. Packers, our narratives for the start of training camp were, does Aaron Rodgers show up and win? Well, yes, he did show up, and he showed up uh, first first day? Was it first day? Real early on, whatever it was. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers is here. There's no more really doesn't seem to be any beef between them. He's getting along. He's posting videos. Everyone's are posting pictures. Everyone's saying, hey, there's been great communication. So great. Aaron Rodgers is 100% in the moment here of Green Bay. We love to hear it. All right, another narrative. If and when he shows up, how is the overall chemistry of the team? Well, we just saw this picture today. All smiles, hanging off of Matt LaFleur. Uh, the general manager, Brian Gut against says, hey, we've been having great talks. So overall, Aaron Rodgers isn't kind of seeming like he's holding the locker room hostage or the team hostage, like it's my way or the highway. If I don't get what I want, I'm not going to play or I'm not going to put all the energy into it. It's seeming to be like Aaron Rodgers is playing like classic Aaron Rodgers. So that's great. Next narrative, how does Matt LaFleur handle the offseason digs and maintain an overall happy atmosphere? Once again, we haven't really seen too much insight on that just because we don't have the cameras in the locker room like we do in Hard Knocks where we can kind of extrapolate how the locker room and the coaches are all going. But Matt LaFleur is smiling in this picture or maybe wincing because of the sun or whatever it is, but it's a little bit of a grin. So seems like it's good. So... Not bad here by the Packers. Aaron Rodgers not holding the team hostage. Looking good. He's present. They're ready to move on. Everybody's communicating. Everybody's kind of talking everything through. And this Packers team should be back on the radar of potential Super Bowl contenders. Now, the start of the season is going to be real interesting. If they flounder, does it all unravel? Because that's definitely a big possibility. But if everything's going good, they start like 7, 8, and 0. Everything is sunshine and rainbow still because there has been no adversity. It's going to be interesting when the adversity shows up. Who's taking blame? Who's taking digs? Who's taking responsibility? All of that. Who's pointing on the blame and all that. So we'll see how long this is going to keep up for. But so far, the training camp, the locker room, the atmosphere has been seeming to be good. Good. Great? Good? We'll keep it at good. All right. The Bears now. Our narratives for the Bears at the start of the training camp. When does Justin Fields win the starting job? Well, geez. Well... Unfortunately, he hasn't. That's not our decision. That's the general manager, Ryan Pace, feeling confidence in Andy Dalton. Whatever that means, because he didn't explain it to us. He just said we have, we, we have confidence in Andy Dalton. He kind of said it a couple of times. So, Unfortunate, Justin Fields has not won the starting job just quite yet. Still a week and a half. So, we'll see if he wins a starting job by then. I don't think so, but unfortunate. Truly, truly unfortunate. Big strike on us for thinking he could. Thinking he would. <sighs> Damn it, Justin. It's not even Justin's fault. It's Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. It's like, what the hell are y'all doing? Just just make the switch. It's not that hard. Who cares about Andy Dalton? No disrespect to Andy Dalton, but who cares about Andy Dalton? Only Andy Dalton and his wife. That's it. Um, Jeez, okay. All right, our next narrative. Matt Nagy, is he handling the stress of a do-or-die season well? I don't know. I mean, uh, we've seen him play calling, not the best, but it's preseason. You can't really take it at full vase value. He's still rocking with the promise that he made of Andy Dalton, so he's worried about a promise over you know him getting fired and him kind of having a do-or-die season. So I guess he's handling the stress of that decently, but I don't think he's making the right decisions. Uh, all right. And do the Bears go out and get a free agent wide receiver? Just because we don't love the overall depth at wide receiver, we're big fans about Allen Robinson just because he made Mitch Trubisky look good, and that's pretty gosh dang good. But, I mean, when we're looking at everything else in this Bears depth chart at the wide receiver position, 
It's just lackluster overall. Uh, Darnell Mooney, Marquise Goodwin, he should be solid there. And then Demir Bird, Brashad Perryman. I mean, they have the ability to be solid. We just don't know if these aren't like A1, Tier 1 wide receivers. These are all kind of solid Tier 2-ish wide receivers. So they're not that deep. And once again, just playing into Andy Dalton. Is Andy Dalton going to be able to elevate and work with these stars? Potential stars? We'll see. So... They did not get a free agent wide receiver to kind of bolster up their wide receiver room. All right, let's talk about the Vikings. Um, our narratives for the Vikings were established an identity offensively. Did they do that? Kirk Cousins was looking decent. Um, he played the majority of the preseason games, a couple of snap, a couple of series in them. Uh, he was moving the ball decently, a lot better than what the backups were doing. Kellen Munn really couldn't do anything. Um, but I'm not 100% sold on Kirk Cousins and the offense overall. So they really didn't establish the identity uh, early on here in preseason, and it's hard to do that. So we are going to have to kind of take this narrative into the regular season still. Uh, the defense must be a 1 trillion percent better. Now, was the defense a little bit better? Because we know it was atrocious last season. It was, you know, we have the quote from Mike Zimmer saying this is the worst defense he's ever had. Uh, so let's see what this kind of Vikings defense was in the preseason. And I know we have to take it with all a grain of salt and all that. But if you're coaching up the second and third string guys as, uh, you know, coaching defenders and coach, uh, defender coaches and all that. That's a good sign of what the starters are going to be doing. So let's see what the kind of the point totals were for this Vikings team in preseason. So preseason game number one, they gave up 33 points. Not the greatest defense out there. Preseason game number two against the Colts, they only gave up 12. That was real good. And they only gave up field goals in that game. So that's solid. And then preseason game number three, they gave up 28 points against the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes was playing and he still torched them. Patrick Mahomes puts up two passing touchdowns. So that's not great. <laughs> that's not great either. So the defense, still a little bit of a question mark here for the Vikings. Hopefully Patrick Peterson can kind of, you know, shore it up a little bit. But still, at the end of preseason, we still don't know what the hell this Vikings team is, folks. So... Didn't really answer anything here. Unfortunate. And then the last team to talk about here for the NFC North is the Lions. Our narratives were Dan Campbell. Can he coach? He hasn't really done anything great. He was running, I think it was like running stairs or something. Or is that Robert Sala? It might have been Robert Sala. Uh, running stairs before the game, I guess. I don't know if that really motivates everybody. I don't know, but uh, uh, Dan Campbell, Kenny Coach, it's still nothing great. Uh, Panay Sewell is still kind of not looking good, and that was kind of his first big pick, his first big decision as a head coach. You know, who do we go after in the draft? And Panay Sewell is still not panning out. He's getting burned a lot of the time on the offensive line. Hasn't really shown me anything great coaching-wise, you know, saying anything. Um, at the press conference, we know all the stunts in, like early on in training camp. With, you know, his uh, first initial speech of, hey, I'm not going to wipe your butt. And then wearing the motorcycle helmet and all that. So, we're still not totally sure this man can coach. Still, not great. Uh, did he win any preseason games? That could kind of tell us if he can coach. I mean, you still got to win games. I mean, these are still games that should be won. I mean, yeah, the starters aren't taking them seriously. But the second and third and fourth strings and everybody else that's competing for a job is still putting in all the work. So you still need to coach and win the game. I know it doesn't mean anything in the regular season. But it's still a game that you still want to win. Nobody wants to lose even a preseason game. So let's see what this Lions team did. They lost the first game close, 16-15 to against the Bills. But they gave up like a last-second touchdown or a last-second score, last-second 
big throw that ended up leading to a last-second field goal. So down the stretch coaching-wise, hey, there's a minute left. We're up. Hey, defense, that's all fighting for your jobs. Go and get it done. And we know Dan Campbell's kind of a defensive-minded kind of coach, kind of an off-tight uh, end, kind of, you know, a big kind of, um, I don't want to call him a muscle head, but that kind of ask type of coach. Um, and that's kind of what defense is. So not great there. Um, preseason game number two. Uh, we get um, Dan Campbell in the Lions. They, where are they at? Preseason game number two. They lose against the Steelers 20-26, to another loss. And then preseason game number three, we get the Lions losing against the Colts. And they were at home, 27-17. So he, had, he didn't win a preseason game. I know it's not the best gauge, but, I mean, of everything we've seen, he could have at least won one. So, no, he can't coach. I guess we've figured that out. Jared Goff, can he play quarterback? Well, that's still determined, and he didn't play a lot in the preseason. Um, I don't even know. I think he did play in the first game. Let's quickly look at his stats quickly, quickly, quickly here. Jared Goff, preseason game number one, seven of nine for only 56 yards, no touchdown, no interception. Preseason game number two against the Steelers. Jared Goff goes, doesn't play. And doesn't play number three either, I do not believe. And Jared Goff did not play in preseason game number three either. So we still are, you know, the question mark on Jared Goff here, um, which is not good. We don't want question marks going into the season. But we have a question mark on Dan Campbell, and we have a question mark on Jared Goff. And DeAndre Swift, year two. Once again, he was kind of – we haven't really heard a lot of noise from the Lions. Um, who was their other – there was another running back on this Lions team that was kind of getting it a little bit done – little like getting it done a little bit more than DeAndre Swift was. Um, we got the Jamal Williams kind of providing a little bit better of a smart a spark so far in preseason. Um, so that's not the best look here for DeAndre Swift, the rookie from last season. So DeAndre Swift didn't really kind of shatter anything here in preseason, which is definitely not great as he was kind of catching his stride at the end of last season. And we were kind of hoping it was going to transpire into the start of the early part this season. But uh, yeah, so far haven't even, I don't even think we've seen Deandre Swift out there, honestly. So yeah, Deandre Swift, big question marks on everything folks, coach, starting quarterback, starting running back, big question marks everywhere. That is not what we want to be for this Lions team. So we can expect this Lions team to be trash this year, but we all kind of knew that anyway. So, we are not any better, any bigger on this Lions team. How unfortunate. Alrighty, let's head on over to the AFC South now with the Titans, the Colts, the Texans, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And let's see if uh, they kind of won us over in training camp and we'll see what our narratives were. So, let's start with this Titans team. Julio Jones, how he, how is he acclimating with the Titans? We've been hearing nothing but great things about Julio Jones. Fitting in right off the rip. Not wanting to kind of be the main focus. Not wanting to kind of be the guy. Just wants to be a guy. Wants to be a player. A teammate. A, uh, you know, yeah, just a teammate in this organization, on this team and all that. So, love what we've been seeing from Julio Jones. He's not kind of stealing the spotlight. He gave up his number. He's not, he's still kind of, you know, he, he'd play the number two on this team. He'd have no problem not being kind of the number one wide receiver. Hey, go to the number two. We're going to have A.J. Brown be our number one. He would have no problem with that. So, yeah, Julio Jones is acclimating to this Titans team absolutely perfectly. We loved it. 
Uh, Todd Downing, how does he run the offense? Well, this Titans offense has been pretty gosh dang good. They've been putting up some good point totals, folks, which is absolutely great. Preseason game number one, 23 points. Preseason game number two, 34 points. Preseason game number three. 24 points. Real solid offense here. So the new offensive coordinator, perfect, perfect, perfect. Everything's looking good so far. All right, can he keep Ryan Tannehill uh, in above average game manager level? Well, Ryan Tannehill didn't really play in the preseason, so that's something that we're going to have to kind of see. But so far, he's been coaching up the offense with second and third strings, putting up those point totals in the preseason. So we would expect him, know, he would know how to handle Ryan Tannehill, what he can do, his limitations, what he can do out on the field. And I think he's going to have a great offensive plan here. So everything's looking great here for the Titans. And defense still has to be solid. And it was, folks. This was the best. I think this was ranked the best defense here in preseason. I think we can look this up quickly. Here we go. Let's go to team stats here. Team totals in the preseason. I know they held the teams to the least amount of points. I think they only gave up like 13 points this entire time, folks. Um, so let's go to this. Team defense here. All right. Let's see where this... Um, this Tennessee Titans team ranked team defensively. See how many sacks that they had. Number one was kind of about 12 sacks. Tennessee had nine real great up there. Pass defenses, most we're seeing is like 23. Tennessee had 15. That's not bad. Um, I want to see what... Um, I want to see scoring. Uh, because Tennessee... Okay, here we go. Tennessee put up 81 points offensively, and I believe they had the top-ranked defense. Here we go. Uh, Tennessee only gave up 33 points this uh, this preseason, which is pretty good. Most was 20. We had a 21 point, but everybody else is like 30 and above. So this Titans defense is still real solid. We can definitely take that. And I think like it, did they give up 33 points? Is that right? Oh, they gave up 30. They gave up 27 against the Bears in their season finale. But the first two preseason games, they only gave up three points each. That's why that defense was so great. So, and then you had, you know, Andy Dalton playing a lot for the, uh, or no, Andy Dalton not playing. You had Justin Fields kind of playing a lot for that Bears team. Once again, Bears play with only Justin Fields and they put up 27 points. I mean, he's got to be the week one starter. We digress here. This Titans defense is still real solid. So, at least in preseason, we've got to, you know, we're just, we understand we're taking everything with a grain of salt, folks. We don't have to say that after everything. We know it's preseason. We get it. But, yeah, the defense. So, everything. I mean, the the Titans have knocked our narratives right out of the park. Everything was great here. They achieved everything. Fantastic. Everything we wanted to see, we saw. Fan-freaking-tastic. Titans, folks. Watch out for them. All right, let's talk about the Colts. What were our narratives at the start of training camp? We wanted to see Carson Wentz has to stay 100% healthy. Well, that didn't, that didn't happen, unfortunate. The foot injury, but we give him a little bit of a free pass. Little bit. This is the last free pass we're handing out for Carson Wentz, but it wasn't a new injury. It was an injury that he's always had. It was just it got to a point where he had to finally deal with it, but now he's back 100% healthy. He will start week one, so we wanted him to stay 100 100% healthy because of his injury history. Little bit of an injury. Pre-existing, though. We're not going to kind of jump overboard just quite yet. Uh, do not... <laughs> and then we also said this. I uh, do not want to see even small tweaks. And that is kind of a small tweak. It's unfortunate, but it's pre-existing. So I still think we can give him a pass and not freak out 100%. 
Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., can he be an explosive, true A1 Tier 2 wide receiver in this league? Well, now that T.Y. Hilton's out, he's going to have to step up and be the A1 Tier 1. We know he can potentially be an A1 Tier 2. We love what we saw. Um, did he get any burn in preseason? Let's quickly look up his stats here. Uh, we are looking at the Colts. Uh, let's just see if he played in any preseason games here. Preseason game number one against the Panthers. He get any burn? What do we got going on? Um, Michael Pittman Jr. No, no, no. He did not play. So probably didn't play either of these preseason games. We can watch. Uh, we can look up preseason two really quickly. Um, if he's not in one or two, we're not going to look at three. Uh, so preseason game number two. Michael Pittman Jr. Did not. Oh no, he did. Uh, one catch for seven yards. How many targets? He had two targets. Probably that pass was uh, inaccurate. Uh, so, overall, we believe in Michael Pittman Jr. Just didn't see a lot of him. But uh, he'll have his uh, he'll have his chance. Next man up. T.Y. Hilton down for about three weeks. T.Y. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., step up into that role. We have confidence in you. How do the Colts handle the great running back depth? Well, Neham Hines is no longer on the depth chart, which is definitely not what we wanted to see. Let's see if he's back up there. Um... We are big on Neham Hines. We are big on Jonathan Taylor. We are big on Marlon Mack. That's kind of what we want to see the big three running backs here. But, um, oh, okay, yeah, okay. They got Colts are back on their mental state here. They have Neham Hines back at number three. He wasn't even in the top four at one point when we checked the depth chart here for this Colts team. But, yeah, they're going to you know be working with these uh, running backs fantastically. They're going to get it done in the rushing game. I'm not worried about it. We can quickly take a look at what this Colts team did rushing-wise in the preseason and how they fared overall. So let's see where this Colts team was uh, rushing the ball on offense. So here we go. Colts offensive rushing numbers. All right, here we go. Touchdowns. We got any touchdowns? I just want uh, – no, I didn't put it. Okay, we got to go rushing. Here we go. Okay, Colts rushing stats. All right, about a top – Top 10 rushing in the preseason. Fantastic. They had 98 attempts for 368 yards, which, like we said, uh, their yards was about top 10 here. Uh, number one with San Francisco was 565. They averaged uh, 3.8 yards a carry. That's a little light there. They had three rushing touchdowns. Most is like seven, it's seeming. Everybody else is kind of at the four to, four, two to four, so three right in the average-ish. Yards a game, they're putting up 127 yards a game on the ground, which is, once again, just kind of, you know, solid, top 10-ish. Okay, first downs, rushing first downs. They had 21, uh, most in the preseason seeming to be kind of 34. So he's kind of, once again, just kind of right in the average-ish. So, um, and, you know, they're not using their best running backs out there the entire time, so we can expect the rushing game for the Colts to be very, very solid this year. Alrighty, and then the last narrative, I want to see all three get great rotational carries. So we could potentially hope to see that in the regular season. Didn't really see that in preseason because starters. So not bad there by the Colts. All right, here we go. The Texans now. What were our training camp narratives? Is Deshaun Watson going to jail? Well, not yet, but that is still an option. So because now there's criminal charges filed, which is not great. At the beginning of training camp, it was all um, um, personal. Civil, I should say. Uh, all civil lawsuits, but now there are criminals. But uh, he's not in jail yet, but that is still an option. 
Uh, defense is going to have to be solid, just solid, because the offense should be able to carry. Well, it should be able to, but now we're with Tyrod Taylor. So I think we wrote this when, you know, it was good. Deshaun Watson still being on this team kind of 100%. Now, you know, him still whining to get traded and the team having him on the uh, on the roster still and him still being in the building, but he's not getting any reps or any kind of play, any burn like that. So uh, this offense is going to be a little bit lackluster now. We believe in Tyrod Taylor decently. Let's bring up their depth chart to see what their weapons are like. Um, I believe they may still have a good running back. What do we got here? Um, Mark Ingram is their starting running back, but he's a little old. Why is he the starter? <laughs> Mark Ingram's listed as their starter. Philip Lindsay should be the starter. Uh, Philip Lindsay's better than Mark Ingram, and Mark Ingram's good, but he's a little bit older. So I go with the young kid. I go with Philip Lindsay. So, okay, okay, I don't like that. Uh, but Brandon Cooks, Chris Connolly, Anthony Miller... Um, decent weapons there offensively. The line, Laramie Tunsil. I don't know how great he is. So, yeah, I, we'll see. Tyrod Taylor is definitely a way dip below than what Deshaun Watson was last season. Um, so... Yeah, maybe this offense shouldn't be able to carry now. So maybe the defense is really gonna have to step up now, uh, since it's not Tyrod, uh, since it's not Deshaun Watson. We know what Deshaun Watson did last season. He was carrying the team, and it only resulted in the four wins. And Tyrod Taylor is nowhere near the quality that Deshaun Watson is. So, yeah, we're gonna need this defense to step up. This offense can't just kind of be the main focal point. They, this defense is really gonna have to do their part this season. So we'll see what they can do. Oh, man, I don't know. What is this defense? Whitney Merciless, Malik Collins, Vincent Taylor, Jordan Jenkins, Zach Cunningham, Christian Kursky, Kevin Pierre, Lewis, Desmond King, Eric Murray, Justin Reed, Terrence Marshall. They're going to have to get it done because this offense is not as explosive as kind of it was seeming to be like in the beginning of training camp. Unfortunate. All righty, and then the last team to talk about here in the AFC South is the Jacksonville Jaguars, and our narratives were, how quickly does Tim Tebow get cut? Well, it was actually pretty quickly. It was the first opportunity to cut players when you had to cut some players. That was the first opportunity that they had, and they used it to cut Tim Tebow. So for that, I can applaud the Jaguars and Urban Meyer for cleaning up their absolute garbage mistake of signing this man for even a chance to play in this league. So for that, we like that. Um, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yes, that is exactly what happened. And Urban Meyer, can he coach? Well, we actually know this for a fact that he can't, that he can't coach. He's, you know, he lost the OTAs because he didn't know the rules in kind of uh, OTAs this season. So he lost his OTAs next season, so he doesn't know the rules. He cannot coach. Uh, we just saw him in the media saying, hey, we, we made decisions um, on vaccination status for our final cuts. And then the PR team had to come out and be like, no, that's not really what he meant. This is what he meant right here. Can't really say it out loud. He said the quiet part out loud. We've heard that in that NFL.com article. Somebody said he said the quiet part out loud. Exactly that. So Erdmeyer cannot coach. Um, he had a quarterback battle that was not a quarterback battle. That is not a coach right there. Um, that is manipulative. He manipulated Gardner Minshew because Gardner Minshew wanted a trade because he wanted somewhere where he can, where he can start. So Urban Meyer manipulated him into saying, yeah, yeah, you've got a chance to start here. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, we're not going with Trevor Lawrence right off the rip, even though we are. So, yeah, this man cannot coach. I've got no problem saying this. Urban Meyer is floundering in the NFL. You're a great college coach, different system here in the NFL, and he's not making it work. So Urban Meyer cannot coach in this league. Uh, did he win any preseason games either? He lost preseason game number one, 23-13, 10-point loss, trash. Um, preseason game number two here? 
They lose 21 to 23. Can't close out a close game. Uh, trash. And then preseason game number three. Last one. Last attempt to get a win here. Urban, did you do it? Did you do it? Uh, you beat the you beat the Cowboys. Congratulations. 34 to 14. I'll give him that one. But everything else, this man can't coach. If you want to put one preseason one preseason game win as him being able to coach. I'll let you do that, but everything else, the man is not a coach. The man does not uh, know how to get a coach, how to be a coach in this league yet. So, Urban Meyer cannot coach. We do know that. Know that now. Alrighty, that is the AFC South, folks. Now let's go to the AFC East and talk about our narratives here. So here we go. Bills, Josh Allen, year three fluke or the real deal? Well, we just saw him in preseason game number three, and he was looking fantastic. So real deal. No year three fluke. This man's the real cookie out here. I love it. Can't wait to watch this man this year. Going to be fantastic. Uh, do they go out and get a running back in free agency? No, they're just still sticking with um, Devin Singletary. We'll see how that works out. Um, he's kind of been decently this uh, this preseason. I think he's got some good, decent burn. Let's just see what he did in preseason game number three if he started. I believe he started a game and we had some good totals. Let's quickly see if we can find that game. Um, preseason game number three, he did not play. They're still going with Devin Singletary, right? Let me make sure that's correct. Uh, get up the Bills depth chart quickly. I believe they're going with Devin Singletary, but let's see what uh, happened in preseason game number two. Did he get did he get no burn this preseason? That'd be interesting. I thought I saw some rushes by Devin Singletary. I was like, okay, maybe he can get it done this season. Maybe he can finally come to full fruition um, of what he is supposed to be for this Bills team that just really need him to be a game-managing running back. Uh, so here we go. He is still listed as uh, number one on the depth chart. And he did play in uh, preseason game number two. Two carries for 21 yards. Yes, sir. And a touch. Or no. Um, he did have a touchdown. Rushing touchdown. Fantastic. So got it done there. Fantastic. Let's see uh, quickly preseason game number one. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Devin Singletary. Eight carries for 42 yards. 5.3 yards a carry. No touchdown, but still, I'll take that. So, yeah, Devin Singletary's been pretty solid here. We can get behind this man, and if Josh Allen is continuing to get better, that's going to open up the rushing game. We just need Devin Singletary to take advantage, and so far in the preseason, he kind of did that. So, yeah, we can get big on Devin Singletary now. They don't need to bring in a free agent running back. They're good, and there's some good options out there. Lamar Miller, Alfred Morris, Le'Veon Bell. Um, so, some still options out there, and they're keeping Devin Singletary. So, we'll see how he plays out. Alrighty, Dolphins now. Two attack of Aloha, question mark. We love the accuracy, but need to see more scoring drives. And we did kind of see that. He didn't play in preseason game number three. But in preseason game number two, I believe he led us to 14 points? Let me see. Let's get up the drive charts here. We can go to this quickly. Uh, this was preseason game number two against the Bears. Here. Uh, this was preseason game number one against the Bears. He had an interception in that game. But it was still decent. He was still able to move the ball there. So let's go to preseason game number two. I think he was able to move the ball a little bit more, uh, getting better every single week, which is exactly what we want to see. And once again, the accuracy is still there. We watch this man every single throw. Accuracy is still there. Accurate as heck. We absolutely love it. Now here we go. Preseason game number two against the Falcons, where once again he was starting. First drive touchdown. Second drive touchdown. Third drive turnover on downs. Was he playing this drive? He was, he was. All right, let's see how it stalled here. We had a fourth and three, two uh, passing complete, trying to uh, go for it on fourth and three at Atlanta's 14-yard line. Unfortunate. Uh, did he play the next drive that uh, resulted into a missed field goal? He did. He got him into good field goal range, 58-yarder. Got to be able to hit that, though. Um, 
And it was also at the end of half, at third and five, three seconds left. So he could have gotten into better field goal position, but he put you he put you in a chance to uh, to get some points there. Can't knock that. Did he uh, did he play after halftime? No. Uh, so overall, pretty solid there. Got down into the red zone, into the green zone. Unfortunate little bit of an error right there. And then got him into field goal position real, real late in the second half. So yeah, two was moving the ball. Fantastic. Able to score. We love it. All right, uh, what do the Dolphins do at running back? Free agent? No, they're still rocking with Miles Gaskin. We'll see if he pans out. We're hoping so. Uh, weren't Wasn't the biggest believer in Miles Gaskin here uh, coming into this training camp in this year. Uh, let's see what he did here in this preseason game number two. Did he play? Miles Gaskin, five, six carries for 27 yards. Not bad. One touchdown, too. Four and a half yards carry. That's not bad. So uh, he's been getting a little bit better here, just like Devin Singletary. We hope it translates to the regular season. Um, all right. Um, Xavier Howard, does he show up? Trade? Well, we know what it happened with, with Xavier Howard. We gave him new money. He's happy. He's with our team now, and we're happy that Xavier Howard is truly locked up here in Miami. Absolutely love it. So Xavier Howard is a Dolphin this season. Love it. And then Jalen Waddle, how he's looking? Well, Jalen Waddle's kind of looking like I don't. Uh, I could call him. There is an argument to be made that he is so far showing out to be the best wide receiver. Um, so I, you could put him number one. You could put him number two. Devontae Smith, either the other number one or number two. But he's definitely top two because Jamar Chase is not even panning out even close to where he needs to be. So Jalen Waddle's been looking great, explosive. He's going to be a game wrecker for this Dolphins team. Uh, great athleticism at the wide receiver position. And so far has been probably making the most splash, him and Devontae Smith here, in preseason so far. So you got to give up to Jalen Waddle. Alrighty, now let's talk about the Patriots. Quarterback battle. New in year two or rookie mac and cheese? And it's rookie mac and cheese, folks. Cam Newton cut. We didn't think that was going to happen. Jeez, jeez. Um, at the end of preseason game number three, we thought it, was, it should be Mac Jones for the starting job. He does get the starting job, but we definitely thought you should keep Cam Newton as a backup, but they cut him. So we do know now the quarterback battle. All right, tight end should represent tight end University Wild. They have three good ones. One just got injured, I believe. Um, let's see if we got any updates on that, dude. I don't think it was Jonu Smith. I think it was the other tight end that they brought in. A lot of spending here. Um, all right, did Bills. Who am I? Patriots. <laughs> Patriots, depth chart. Let's get that up. Don't care about the Bills tight ends. They got Dawson Knox. We'll see if that works out. Finally, um, here we go. Uh, Hunter Henry, he's questionable, and then they got John New Smith. So let's see if we have an update on John New Smith's injury. We got anything here, Hunter Henry? Um, he's gonna miss multiple weeks. This was 23 days ago, though. So shoulder injury, set for an MRI. Nothing new in the last 23 days. Nothing new in the last 23 days. Let's see how long he was going to be out for. Um, New England Patriots tight end Hunter Henry is expected to miss a couple of weeks with a shoulder injury. So that's all we know is just a couple of weeks. And it's been a couple of weeks. 23 days is three weeks and some change. That's a couple of weeks. So uh, we'll see if he's ready to go week one. But they've got some nice good depth. Billy B. How the coaching looking without Tommy B. And so far, coaching's not looking bad. Um... They won a couple of playoff uh, post uh, preseason games. They won preseason game number two. They won preseason game number one and preseason game number three. They, they, 
won. They won all three preseason games. So Bill Belichick is still getting it done with Tom without Tom Brady. Coaching is still there. And unfortunately, had to make that tough decision to cut Cam Newton. That's a real tough decision to make. He ended up making it. I guess you give him a little bit of credit for that. No? So, yeah. Okay. Bill Belichick coaching without Tom Brady. So far, not terrible. So far, not terrible. All right. The Jets. Training camp narratives that we set. Here we go. Robert Sala, can he coach? Well, yeah. Not bad. Zach Wilson's been looking pretty good. He's been kind of getting the most out of him. Let's see the win totals here in preseason. Preseason game number one, they beat the Giants 12-7. Preseason game number two, they beat the Packers 23-14. In preseason game number three, they tie with the Eagles on kind of a last-second Hail Mary. So overall, that was great. That was a great showing. Hey, we're in it to the last minute. We don't care if it's preseason and it's a Hail Mary and we're down and losing. And then um, do they have to go for the two-point conversion too for that? Um, that's, uh, that was a potential, not a hundred percent clear on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, Robert Salas, some solid stuff. So, so far, way better than we've been getting out of Dan Campbell. So Robert Salas, can he coach? It's, uh, it's promising going into week one. So we can kind of get behind this Jets team and Robert Salas a little bit. Zach Wilson, big pressure, number two taken, how he's looking. Well, a lot of people are saying, a lot of people in the media were saying that he kind of had the best showing out of all the quarterbacks. Now, Trevor Lawrence had a real great preseason game number three. Uh, Zach Wilson, did he play? I don't think he played in preseason game number three, did he? Which we thought was a little weird. Um, yeah, he didn't. So I didn't really like that Zach Wilson didn't play. But overall, good stats here. I think I can bring him up quickly. Um, I just want to get the overall totals between the two games for Zach Wilson. Uh, preseason stats. Let's get this up. Y'all got preseason for these game logs? Come on, come on. I just want the preseason stats, baby. Come on. Let's see, let's see. Just the stats quickly. That's all we want to see, folks. Y'all about to make me do it manually. Okay, okay. All right, here we go. Preseason game number one. Jets, Zach Wilson. He goes 6 of 9 for 63 yards. Real solid completion percentage. And uh, more than kind of 10 yards of completion. So that's exactly what we're looking for. And then game number two against the Packers. He goes 9 of 11 for 128 yards, two touchdowns, zone interception. So, statistically, he was there. So, we could buy into Zach Wilson a little bit. We can buy into Robert Sala. Fantastic. What else we got here? Can Michael, uh, the running back, be a top 10 running back? Well, did we get any good rushes by, uh, let me get his name up here first, Michael Carter, rookie here um, for, the, uh, for the Jets. So, uh, game number one for, or no, game number two for Michael Carter, 10 carries for 52 yards. Oh, and uh, yeah, yeah, 5.2 yards a carry. We can get behind that. Yes, sir. Uh, preseason game number one against the Giants. We got Michael Carter uh, going seven rushes for 22 yards. That's got not bad. Two, three yards a carry, not bad, but getting better. Preseason game number two is better than preseason game number one. Did he play in preseason game number three? He did seven carries for 12 rushing yards. Yikes. That was bad. Ooh, okay. Not great there. And let's uh, check out this injury. What's up with this injury? Michael Carter injury. Is he good to go for week one? Injury deemed minor. Okay. That's promising. What do we got here? Carter's unspecified injury isn't viewed as a serious injury. Okay. 
Well, that's good. <laughs> if it's unspecified, it surely shouldn't be anything. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. Quarterback, coach, running back, all looking good, all buyable come week one. Great by the Jets. That's how you do it. That's how you go from rookie quarterback and rookie running back and rookie head coach. Some good outings, some great performances by all those players and coaches. Uh, one, didn't lose a preseason game. Not bad there by the Jets. So we can buy this Jets team a little bit more. Alrighty, we have two more left. We'll do these tomorrow quickly, quickly, quickly on the show to finally finish them up. And then tomorrow on the show, we will kind of start with the overall win totals and where we can bet some good teams and make some good money here on betting win totals on what we project these teams can do this season, looking at their schedule and finding all those wins. So that's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We're back live tomorrow, noon Eastern, doing it all again. The stories, the narratives, the bets, all the good Good stuff here, getting us ready for week one that kicks off next Thursday, the 9th, Cowboys, Bucks, Whew, Thursday Night Football, going to be great. Alrighty, folks, so that's going to do it. That's going to be all of us today. We'll be back tomorrow. Hope to see you. We are